God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thank you so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there. So we bring that service to you. Wherever you are, anywhere in Israel, anywhere in the world, welcome. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, that's where we're going to be today, in chapter 13. And as you know, we'll always put those verses up here in the video for you, just to make it easier for you to follow along. And today we're continuing in our journey through the book of beginnings, Ha-Sefer Bereshit, Ha, the, Sefer, book, Bereshit, beginnings, the book of beginnings. That's the Hebrew name of the book of Genesis. And today, I'd like to talk to you about guided, being guided by God in life. Now, this week, we're continuing in our study of the man named Abraham, or Abraham, as we'd say it, Bevrit, or Hebrew, the father of the Jewish people, and the father of all those people who have the faith of Abraham, as the New Testament says as well. Now, if you remember from our messages from last couple of weeks, God's been guiding Abraham. God called Abraham to leave his country and his father's house and to go to a land that God was going to show him. And so he left everything and God guided him to the land of Canaan. And wherever God guides, God always provides. God protected Abraham and his wife. God provided for them. Because where God guides, God provides. Remember, He will not call you to somewhere without taking care of you in your journey along the way and while you're there. And in Abraham stepping out in faith, God has blessed him and blessed him greatly. In fact, Abraham has become very rich. Now, that doesn't mean that God makes everyone rich who answers the calling that He has for them. In fact, most of the greatest men and women of the Bible, the prophets, the apostles, and others were very poor, and yet they considered themselves rich. That's because they knew they had true riches, riches in heaven, riches that don't decay or lose their value. or They have eternal riches in the eternal kingdom of heaven. It's best not to be distracted by the wealth of this life. If you'll just keep your eyes on God... He'll take care of all your needs. King David once said in the Bible, he said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Now what he was saying was God will provide. So wait for the true riches, the things that God has for you in the kingdom of heaven. Now indeed, God has provided for Abraham. And those with him, Lot, his family, Sarai, his wife, all of the people accompanying him. In fact, God blessed Abraham and his family so much that they could no longer even stay together. There wasn't enough land to graze the flocks and the herds, cattle, sheep, and all these creatures that they had for their substance and for their meat and for how they would live as, as shepherds, if you will. And that's where chapter 13 starts in our message today. Let's read it together starting at verse 1. Then we'll pause a few times on our way through just to discuss what these verses mean. 
So in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Then Abraham went up from Mizraim, or the land of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. And Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Beit El, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Remember, Beit El stands for the place of God. Beit El, in your English Bibles, you'll show it as Bethel, but it's really Beit El. That's what it means in Hebrew, the place of God. And he went to the place where his tent had been in the beginning, it says in verse 3, between Beit El and Ai. And verse 4 then continues to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first, when God faithfully brought him into the land of Canaan, you see. And he thanked God and made an offering there at that altar, an altar and an offering of thanksgiving and remembrance and gratitude for God and his faithfulness. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Let's talk about these first four verses for a little bit. It says now about these verses, it says that Abraham is coming back from Egypt. We knew that from last week. And remember that trip to Egypt that he made was a mistake. In that trip, Abraham lied to the Egyptians. And he told them that his wife was his sister. As a result, the king of Egypt almost took Sarai, his wife, to be his own wife. But the king somehow found out that she really was Abraham's wife and not his sister. And so this pagan king confronted Abraham and he asked him, what is this that you've done? He wanted to know why Abraham had lied to him. So here's a pagan king rebuking the man who's supposed to be a man of God. The pagan king has to rebuke Abraham for lying. That's never a good thing when someone who doesn't know the Lord has got to ask you why you're doing things that aren't approved of the Lord. Remember the book of Proverbs in the Tanakh says God hates deception of any kind. So now Abraham was ashamed that he did not represent God truthfully. And he leaves Egypt to return to Canaan. And after all, he was called to Canaan, not Egypt. Sure, there was a famine in Canaan, but he thought he would go down to Egypt and survive the famine there. But God didn't call him to Egypt. He called him to Canaan. And God could have taken care of Abraham even in the famine. Remember, God caused the water to come out of a rock when Moshe Hanavi, Moses, and Israel were wandering in the wilderness. And God gave them more than enough water to give them and quench the thirst of over a million people traveling in the wilderness. And not only one day, He provided for them for 40 years worth of traveling. By the time they finally finished that traveling, they were probably up to close to 2 million people. And God was still providing water in the wilderness. So Abraham didn't need to worry. God was going to be able to provide for his needs. He just forgot and he was relying on himself instead. So now Abraham has been shamed by being rebuked by a pagan king for dishonesty. And now Abraham returns to Canaan, the place where he was called to. And now we continue reading in verse 5. It says in verse 5, Lot also who went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, it says in verse 6, that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. 
Verse 7 continues then, And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. We'll talk about why that part is there in a little bit too. Verse 8 says, So Abram said to Lot, Let, us, let there be no strife between us, between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now let's talk about these verses, verses 5 through 9. And we see in these verses that Abraham and his nephew Lot both have large herds. They're, they're trying to feed these herds, but there's not enough green grass for both of the herds. And they're all in this one place, in this one area of land, and there's not enough grass to feed their herds. So the herdsmen, the guys who are responsible for keeping these herds of cattle, of sheep, and, and all of these animals, they're arguing with each other. The herdsmen of Lot are arguing with the herdsmen of Abraham. And they're arguing because there's not enough food to feed these creatures that they've been charged with responsibility for. There's not enough. Abraham and Lot are so wealthy in their herds and all that they own that it's causing problems. Oh, by the way, that's a message for another time. You can, you can have so much that, yes, it causes problems and you won't find happiness in a multitude of possessions. But like I said, that's a message for another time. Anyway, Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen were getting pretty angry with each other. And it was looking pretty bad. And in verse 7 it says that the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land then. In other words, it's telling us that the natives of that land were watching all of this arguing and quarreling that was going on. Here, again, Abraham, the man of God, and his people are angry with each other. It doesn't look good to other people that might be watching. It's not a good witness to the people of what is happening when your people are not at peace in your own camp, you see. So Abraham suggests that the two men and their two herds split up. Abraham makes a very generous offer to his nephew Lot. He tells his nephew Lot, look, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you choose the right, I'll go to the left. It doesn't matter to me. You choose whichever way you want to go, I'll go the other way. And then that way we can enjoy peace again between us. And so in verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Key verse right there. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, speaking of Eden, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar, no doubt in that fertile Nile Valley where there's plenty of water and everything is lush green around the Nile River in Egypt. And then verse 11 says, Then Lot chose for himself. I want to read that again. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed to the east. He was up on those mountains overlooking the Jordan River Valley. He looked down. He saw the grass was all green down there. There was a lot of grass around the Jordan River. That valley was just lush green. He decided, you know, that looks good. He probably looked out at all the other places and he said, that looks best right down there. 
and Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And he journeyed east, it said in verse 11. And they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. He was right up close to Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Mm. There's some writing on the wall that maybe you can see here. And you're remembering back, where have you heard that term, Sodom, before? Where have you heard about those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, before? It seems like that was a bad problem that came up in those cities. You're on the right track. Lot looks at the land through human eyes and through human understanding. What does he see? He sees the well-watered valley. He compares it to all the land around him. This back here looks barren. This up here is on a mountain and the sheep really can't graze there. And he's not really concerned about Abraham and his welfare. Lot's only thinking about himself. Say, well, where do I want to go? I want what's best. And he looks over everything and decides that the very best land is right down there by Sodom and Gomorrah. And he sees that well-watered valley. And he reasons to himself, oh, it's got plenty of water, plenty of green grass. This is going to be good. I'll just get this first before my uncle Abram gets it and goes down there. I'll get it. I'll take advantage of his generosity. And I'll go down there and get what I see is best for me. In his human wisdom, he decides this is the best. And there is, as the Bible says... It says he chose for himself that land. He chose for himself. Keep, keep in mind those three words, chose for themselves. Well, that was a mistake right there. Lot chose for himself. You see, as smart as we sometimes think we are, we can't always see the potential problems. They're too small. There's things that we don't realize. There's factors that we don't know about. And also, you don't know the future. You don't know what tomorrow holds. As you know now, later in the Bible, while Lot is living in this land right up against Sodom, that sinful city where all that wickedness is, and he chose to live in the wickedness just so that he could prosper more. Was that a bargain? No, that wasn't a bargain. So Lot was selling his own sanity. He was vexed by the evil and the wickedness going on all around and it affected his family. And he lost family members because of that later. But it says he chose for himself. That land would be completely destroyed when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah for its immorality, for the homosexuality, and for the exceeding wickedness of its sin. Later he would completely destroy those cities and that whole area. That land which looked so fertile and green would become desolate and empty and no one would be able to inhabit it. But Lot chose for himself. It would have been better to let God guide him in life and let God make that decision. After all, God knows the future. You don't. God knows where to put you today so you'll be safe tomorrow. He knows where to place you today to be at the right place at the right time tomorrow. When God is guiding you, you won't make the mistakes. God knows the future. He knows what's going to happen and when it will happen. Now let's continue reading at verse 14. Pretty short chapter today, but we're going to finish it up pretty quickly. 
Verse 14 says, And then the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, there goes Lot, down for his green grass and the well-watered lands. Happy, happy, he's just going down that hill toward that land, Go, oh, I did good. That's what he's thinking. Verse 14, though, says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now you lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, Abram, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Well, wait a minute. Didn't Lot choose the land to the east? But now God is having Abram look north, south, west, and east. In other words, Lot was being gracious and offered, God, Abram was being gracious and offered Lot anywhere he wanted. And now God is saying, well, that was nice of you. But actually, Abram, I'm giving you all the land, north, south, west, and east. All the land which you see. I'm giving to you and your descendants forever. There it is. Chapter 13 of the book of Genesis, verse 15, the title deed to the land of Israel. Forever is the last word in that verse. For all the land which you see, Abram, I am giving to you and to your descendants forever. Did it run out 2,000 years ago? No, that's not forever. It was a long time. They had it for 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 years. That's certainly a long time, but that's not forever. Forever doesn't have an end. God gave the land to uh, Abram forever. North, south, east, and west. Make no mistake, standing on those hills, on those mountains there, I've been on those very mountains. You can look all around. You can see it all. God said to Abram, this is what I'm giving you and your descendants forever. That, my friends, is a title deed to the land of Israel. And if you think that expired, no. Look at that last word of verse 15 again. Forever. Va'ed. Va'ed. <laughs> okay, it's forever. La'olam. Okay, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, God tells Abram in verse 16. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. And he tells him, now arise, walk in the land through its length and through its width, for I give it to you. Confirmed right there again in chapter 13, verse 17. Arise, <clears throat> walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. To you and your seed, you and your descendants. How many descendants? Sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters? Great-grandsons, great-daughters, no descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth. Think about that for a moment. Take a little grain of salt out of that salt shaker in your place there. Wherever you are, that coffee shop, just take a little piece of salt out there. Set it on the table all by itself. A grain of dust is far, far smaller than that. And dust is all in the dirt of the earth. It's in the air, some, some of my clothes. Sometimes I think my brain is a little dusty, but no. It's everywhere. It's innumerable in all of the earth. You can't imagine. It's like the stars of the sky. It just doesn't seem to be an end. It just the universe just keeps going in the dust of the earth. Think about how you can't even imagine that number. And God is saying, I'm going to give you descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man... 
Not that a man could number them, but so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. What God was saying was, you won't be able to number them. A man won't be able to number your descendants. And that's what's going to happen yet too. Now we know that the land is back in the hands of the Jewish people today through many miracles that God has done since, eight, since 1948 and forward. And even before that, when he started bringing the people there in 1870, my own great-grandmother came over from eastern Germany in a Jewish village and came to the States at that time during the first wave of persecution in what is now eastern Germany and eastern Europe. She came over then. 1948, after the Shoah, HaShoah, the Holocaust. After that, the first order of business from the newly founded United Nations was to have a homeland for the Jewish people to go to so that they would not be persecuted again. And so they established that. Israel just said, we'll take it. And then on May 14, 1948, they declared the modern nation of Israel. <clears throat> and they declared it. And now that nation has been in existence through five, six wars, greatly outnumbered, greatly outclassed with military and everything until recently. And now the whole world is up in an uproar about Israel and the whole world is trying to condemn them for just about every problem in the world. But they don't do all of these things in the world. They're just trying to live in peace in that small little sliver of land called Israel. And God said, I'm going to make your descendants as the dust of the earth. In other words, you don't have to worry. You're not only going to survive, you're going to thrive. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. And then verse 17, he says it, Arise, walk in the land, through its length, through its width, for I give it to you. For I give it to you, God said again. This land has been given irrefutably by God to Abraham and his descendants. Now, Abraham, it says in verse 18, moved his tent. And he went and he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And he built an altar there to the Lord. And remember, we said last week that whenever they built an altar to the Lord, you're going to see this, that Abraham does it. Yitzhak, his son, Isaac, you would say in English, and Yaakov, Jacob, his grandson, they're all going to be building altars to the Lord to commemorate the faithfulness of God at different points along the way in their life. The faithfulness of God for providing for them. The faithfulness of God for protecting them. The faithfulness of God for guiding them in life. And they build this altar to remember the wonderful works of the Lord. I'll tell you, you and I should be building more altars and take more time to remember the wonderful works of the Lord, the mercies of the Lord, His goodness, His faithfulness. Oh, I know you're busy. I know you're so busy looking at that little screen, seeing what Facebook says today. You need to let those things go. Take some downtime and remember the goodness of God. If you do, it's going to give you confidence that the problems you face in the future, and as they come along, you'll remember that God is there with you. He's faithful, and there's nothing that's going to come against you but what God can't make it turn out good. 
But Abraham let Lot choose for himself, didn't he? Abraham let God choose for him. And God basically said, you made the right choice. And God gave Abram the part of the land that would not be destroyed, as well as everything else. Yeah, look at what happened there. God told Abraham to look in every direction, north, south, east, and yes, west too. All four of them, even the place where Lot had chosen, and told Abraham that everywhere he could see was going to be his. It's best to let God choose for you in life. When you let Him guide you in life, that's called faith in God. When you let God guide you in life, brothers and sisters, that's called faith in God. You live by faith. You grow in grace. And you walk in love. Say that with me again. We're going to do that a couple of times. You live by faith. You grow in grace. You walk in love. We're describing life. This is the instruction book. You live by faith, grow in grace, and walk in love. That's what it all comes down to. Love God with all that you are and all that you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. In these, all the law is encapsulated, and it encapsulates everything that God wants you to do. What is God required of you, O oh man? It says in the Tanakh. But to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And God will bless the faith that you have in Him. Finally, this is the place in the Bible where God gives the title deed, as we said, to the Jewish people forever. He tells Abraham, as we mentioned, that this land will belong to him and his seed, or his generations, forever. You see, seeds don't stop. They just keep multiplying, multiplying, multiplying until they're all over the place. They don't add to their numbers. They multiply to their numbers. It just grows exponentially, we say, in science. So let there be no question about it. Am Israel Chai. Am Israel Chai. The nation of Israel lives. This land belongs to the Jewish people forever. And even if the entire world should come against the tiny nation of Israel... God's going to fight for them to ensure that the land of Israel remains the land of the Jewish people. We have His Word, and God's Word never fails. We have the Word of God, and God's Word never, ever fails. Here's what I'm saying today. When you have a choice to make, don't trust in your own wisdom. Trust in Almighty God. You can't see all the potential problems. You can't see the future. God knows where He wants you. And he knows where you need to be. Let God choose for you and you'll be safe. You'll be blessed and you'll be guided by God. Amen. Now next week we're going to be talking about Genesis 14. And we'll see why Lot's decision to choose for himself almost cost him his life and the life of his family as well. And we'll see God's hand move on Abraham's behalf to defeat several kings with large armies, even though Abraham only has a few men who were never even trained in warfare. You don't want to miss next week in chapter 14 in our journey through Hasefeh Bereshit, the book of Genesis. Now, why don't you give your life to God today, right now? You know, if you call out to Him, He'll hear your cry. 
And He'll answer you. He'll rescue you from that darkness you're in. He'll shine His light on your heart and give you newness of life. He'll change you into a new person. Throw all those past failures away. He's not going to condemn you for those. You'll be made completely new and given a new start. And He'll give you everlasting life in heaven, the eternal kingdom of God. That's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you a chance today to believe on Jesus as the Messiah and Lord and to receive God's peace in your life, an opportunity to know Him and have everlasting life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. Just pray something like this. You can repeat it after me if you'd like. Just say, God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your son Jesus Christ as Lord. Please forgive me all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And he's already started working in your life. A little seed's been planted deep down in your heart. Over time, you'll begin to see the wonderful changes that He's doing in your life, in your heart. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him and His Word every day. And talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do beautiful things in your life. 